I want to speak about the church of the last days. Quiero hablar sobre la iglesia de los últimos días. Now that term last days is a little bit uh, misunderstood. Ese término últimos días uh, es un poco malentendido. I'll just mention for a minute uh, that the last days refers to a long period of time prior to the day of the Lord. Los últimos días representa un periodo de tiempo largo antes de la venida, o perdón, de el día de nuestro Señor. Now the day of the Lord is a day that is referred to in the Bible. El día del Señor es algo que se refiere en la Biblia a como un día de gran juicio, a day of great judgment, and that day is to come. Ese día está por venir. The day of the Lord will begin with the rapture of the church. El día del Señor comenzará con el rapto de la iglesia y terminará en la segunda venida de nuestro Señor Jesucristo. It will end with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that begins with the rapture. It ends with the second coming. We call all of that the day of the Lord. El día del Señor comienza con el arrebatamiento de la iglesia y termina con la segunda venida de nuestro Señor Jesucristo. Now, that means that the rapture and the second coming are not the same thing. Eso significa que el rapto y la segunda venida no son la misma cosa. Es sino que el arrebatamiento primero es para la iglesia. The rapture is about the church. It's the catching away of the saints who are dead in Christ and Those who are alive at the time of the rapture will be caught up as well. And then will begin a period of time which the Bible calls the day of the Lord. That includes the great tribulation and all of the events that are to take place then. Esto va a ser el inicio, el arrebatamiento será el inicio del día del Señor. And that day the Bible says, you know it's coming. Dice la escritura. En Pablo, su carta a los tesalonicenses, dijo, ustedes saben que esto viene. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians and he said, you know that this day is coming. So we all know that. We know it first of all because we're Christians. Lo sabemos primero porque somos cristianos. Y como cristianos, hemos tenido la, la voz del Espíritu Santo. We have the inner witness of the Holy Spirit speaking to us about the fact that we're living in critical times and that this is all going to come to an end someday. El Espíritu Santo que habita en nosotros nos anuncia que esto va a venir a un fin un día. We also know because it's in the Word of God. También lo sabemos porque está en la palabra del Señor. Now the Bible says we don't know the day, we don't know the day or the hour, but we do know that it's coming. No sabemos el, el día ni la hora, pero sí sabemos que viene. And that is a reality for every Christian. Esa es una realidad para cada cristiano. And so we're not surprised by that. No estamos sorprendidos que eso va a venir. Uh, we're going to be caught up before that day of the Lord. Vamos a ser arrebatados antes de ese día del Señor. Meanwhile, however, you and I are living in the days prior to the rapture of the church. Usted y yo estamos viviendo los días, los años, antes del arrebatamiento de la iglesia. The years prior to the rapture of the church and the time, the, the long period of time known as the last days. Estamos viviendo en ese periodo de tiempo 
de años antes de la venida de nuestro Señor Jesucristo por su iglesia. Now the Bible tells us that Jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches here in the book of Revelation. Aquí en, uh, en el libro de Apocalipsis vemos que nuestro Señor Jesucristo escribe siete cartas a siete iglesias. Now throughout church history we have begun to understand that these churches, although they were literal physical churches at the time of the writing of this book, estas siete iglesias eran iglesias literales que existieron al tiempo del escribir este libro de Apocalipsis, pero también representan siete iglesias de la, de, de la edad de la iglesia. These seven churches also represent seven types of churches that exist throughout the church age. And there are two churches that will exist at the end. Hay dos iglesias que existirán al fin de este periodo de, 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 la, de, de la iglesia. These two churches will exist at the last a part of the church age, and these will be the last days churches. Estas iglesias serán las iglesias de los últimos días. What is interesting and important for us to note is that these two churches live together, but they are very different. Estas dos iglesias viven juntas, viven en los últimos días, pero son muy distintas. And the two churches are Philadelphia and Laodicea. There in verse 7, I want you to underline the word Philadelphia. Ahí en el verso 7, quiero que usted subraye la palabra Philadelphia. And then in verse 14, underline the word Laodicea. Luego en el verso 14, usted va a subrayar, subrayar ahí el verso 14, la palabra Laodicea. So let's say those together. Philadelphia, Laodicea. One more time. Philadelphia, Laodicea. Now, those are the two churches of the last days. Estas son las dos iglesias de los últimos días. La iglesia Filadelfia y la iglesia de Laodicea. Laodicea. Estas dos iglesias viven juntas, viven en cada iglesia, cada templo y cada casa quizá. These two churches live together and they live in every church and they live in every home, possibly every home, of every Christian home. And it is important for you tonight as we study together to understand Which of these two churches am I a part of? Es importante esta noche al estudiar que usted entienda cuál de las dos iglesias soy yo. And there is a, a, a message from Jesus for you and I tonight. Hay un, un mensaje para el Señor Jesucristo para usted y para mí esta noche. I want you to imagine this, that 2,000 years ago, maybe 1,900 years ago, Jesus appears to John in a, in a vision. Hace 1900 años o 2000 años más o menos que Jesús se le apareció a Juan el, el apóstol en una visión. John was an old man. Juan es un uh, hombre anciano. And he gave him the book of Revelation. Le dio este libro de Apocalipsis. And he said, I want you to write a letter to these churches, and he wrote seven letters. Él escribió siete cartas 
And tonight, you're holding in your hands the letter written to you by Jesus. Uh, esta noche usted está uh, deteniendo en su mano la carta escrita por el Señor Jesucristo a usted. How special is that? ¿Qué tan especial es esto? Que Cristo le ha escrito una carta a usted. Jesus has written a letter to you. Uh, in fact, he writes it first of all to the pastor of the church. You'll notice there, and, and notice that these two paragraphs have a very uh, similar structure. Estos dos, estas dos oraciones tienen una estructura igual. I'll give you the structure first so you can understand it with me. First, we have the saying, write to the angel. Primero ahí está el dicho, escribe al ángel. And that word angel is the Greek word messenger. La palabra ángel ahí es la palabra en griego mensajero. And he says, write to the messenger of the church. So he's saying, write a letter to the pastor of the church. Entonces, él está escribiendo una carta al mensajero, al pastor de la iglesia. So this letter tonight, these two letters are first to me as the pastor of the church. And they are to all the pastors who are listening tonight and throughout all of the ages. Estas dos cartas, primero se le escriben al pastor, se me escribe a mí como pastor de esta iglesia y a todos los pastores que me escuchen y que lean estas cartas por todas las edades. This uh, you see in verse 7 and you see it also in verse 14. Then we have an introduction of the person who's writing. Luego, después de esa frase, escribe al, al, al ángel, está la frase... Uh, en la cual él se introduce. Then the Lord introduces himself to the church. And he, he introduces himself a little different to one church and to the other. But both introductions are very, very important. We're going to notice them tonight. Then he gives them a message of or a report. Luego el Señor les da un reporte. A report card, as it were. Les da una carta de reporte. Y les dice, ¿qué es lo que están haciendo bien? Y que lo que están haciendo mal. He tells them what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. So you have the, the statement about the messenger, then you have an introduction, and then you have the report card. None of us like to get report cards. I, it's been a long time since I got a report card, but when I was in school, we hated the day that, that uh, the, the report card came, and when I was in school anyway, they used to send it through the student. I think now they might mail it home, but it used to be they would give it to you. You had to give it to mom. Mom had to sign it. You had to bring it back, and, and if you had a good report card, you kind of cringed when you looked, and if it was good, you relaxed. You're happy to take it home, and then if you were not having a great report card, you cringed even more, and maybe you hid it in your backpack until, until way late at night, and then you took it to mom and showed her the good or bad deeds. That is what Jesus is doing here. He's giving us a report card. And that is so important that you and I would understand that because why do we get a report card? Para que se nos da un reporte. Es para poder hacer mejor las cosas que estamos haciendo bien. It's so that we can do the things we're doing right better and so that we can do the things we're doing wrong right. Y para las cosas que estamos haciendo mal, hacerlas bien. How many of you are okay with that tonight? ¿Cuándo están bien esta noche? Con eso, que el Señor nos dé un reporte. And then finally he gives them a 
a message of encouragement and a promise. Luego les da un mensaje de promesa. So tonight, that's the structure of these two letters. Let's look at these two letters side by side. To the angel of the church at Philadelphia, write. Now here's the introduction. He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one will open. Primero el verso 7, tenemos la introducción del escritor. And Jesus introduces himself like this. He says, I'm holy, I'm true, and I have the key of David. Jesús se introduce de esta manera a la iglesia de Filadelfia. Les dice, yo soy santo, soy verdadero, y tengo la llave de David. All right, let's understand that. First of all, Jesus says to the Laodicean church, I am morally perfect. Jesús le dice a la iglesia, uh, perdón, de Filadelfia, he says to the Philadelphia church, I am morally pure. Yo soy moralmente perfecto. How many of you know that Jesus is holy? ¿Cuántos saben que Cristo es santo? Do you know that God is holy? ¿Usted sabe que Dios es santo? Listen, I don't care what happens. I don't care what the culture does or doesn't do, what it approves or doesn't approve. God is holy. No importa que haga la cultura, que apruebe, que no apruebe, Dios sigue siendo santo, and he still requires holiness from us. Él es santo y aún requiere santidad de nosotros. The Bible says, be holy, for I am holy, says God. Dice la Escritura, ser santo porque yo soy santo, dice Jehová. God is still looking for a holy people. Dios todavía busca un pueblo santo. Then he says, I am true. Luego nos dice, yo soy verdadero. The word true there means genuine. La palabra verdadero ahí significa genuino. In fact, this is a better and a fuller definition of the word. Esta es una definición más uh, clara de la palabra. It is that which is not in name only, but the real nature. Es aquello que no es en nombre solamente, pero la naturaleza verdadera. Jesus is not Lord or King or Messiah or God in name only. He is the very substance of King and Messiah and Lord and God. Say amen, somebody. Jesus no es simplemente Rey y Señor y Dios en palabra, sino que Él es Rey y Señor y Dios en naturaleza. He is the very essence of that uh, of those things. Él es la esencia de esas cosas. And then he says that he is the he has the key of David. Luego él dice que él tiene la llave de David. What does that mean? It means that he is the king of the nation of Israel. Eso significa que él es el rey de la nación de Israel. He has authority over the kingdom of God. Él tiene autoridad en el reino de Dios. And listen. He says, I open and no one shuts, and I shut and no one opens. Él dice, cuando yo cierro, nadie abre, y cuando yo abro, nadie puede cerrar. He's talking about the fact that he has absolute authority. Él está refiriéndose al hecho de que él tiene autoridad suprema. Say this with me. Jesus has absolute authority. 
Diga esto, Cristo tiene autoridad suprema. Listen, we today are under authority. And those authorities are established by God. Usted y yo estamos bajo autoridades hoy. Y esas autoridades son establecidas por Dios. But the final authority is Jesus. La última autoridad es Cristo. And guess what? He has the last word over your life. Él es el que tiene la última palabra sobre tu vida. Say amen if you believe that. Diga amen si usted lo cree. Now listen. He shuts doors that no one can open. And he opens doors that no one can shut. I'll just mention a couple. Jesus has shut the door to your past. Aquí está un ejemplo. Cristo ha cerrado la puerta a tu pasado. Guess what? No one can open that door. Nadie puede reabrir esa puerta. Say amen, somebody. Jesus has shut the door to the past. Él ha cerrado la puerta a tu pasado. And the devil himself can try to bring it up. And God doesn't remember it because he has buried it and put it behind a locked door. Dios ha puesto tu error, tu pecado y tu pasado detrás de una puerta cerrada. Y si usted está en Cristo, ni el diablo mismo la puede abrir. Esta es la verdad del evangelio. This is the truth of the gospel. The authority belongs to Christ. La autoridad le pertenece a Cristo. Now let's look at verse 14 for a minute. Vamos a ver el verso 11. See how he introduces himself to the other church. Ahora vemos como él se introduce a la iglesia de la odisea. Él dice, yo soy el amén. He says, I am the amen. That means I'm the end. I'm the, I'm the last thing. The last revelation from God. The last message from God. I am the confirmation of the entirety of the word of God. Él dice, yo soy el amén. Lo último. La última revelación. La última palabra profética. El último mensaje de parte de Dios. Y el cumplimiento de toda la palabra de Dios. If you look at all the promises in the word of God, Jesus is the amen on every promise. Cada promesa de la palabra del Señor tiene un seo, un amen, y Cristo es el amen. He says, I am the faithful and the true witness. Dice, yo soy el testigo fiel y verdadero. It is Jesus who came and bore witness of the character, nature, and revelation of the word of God. And the person of God himself. Es Cristo que ha dado testimonio de Dios. Él es el testimonio verdadero. Listen. Who would you get answers from? If you had to answer these questions. Who is God? What's God like? What happens when you die? Is there heaven? Is there a hell? The only one that has a reliable answer to any one of those questions is Jesus. Because he is the second member of the Godhead. He knows firsthand. Therefore, he is the faithful and the true witness. And when you have the revelation of the word of God attested to by the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the final witness of that truth. Let me just give you an example here. How do we know that the Old Testament is true? Well, there are many reasons we could say that the Old Testament is true. But as Bible-believing Christians and as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, Here's how we understand. Jesus affirmed the Old Testament. Jesus taught the things taught in the Old Testament. And because he taught them, you and I can consider them reliable and true. 
Jesus taught that Adam and Eve were created by God. Jesus taught that Noah was part of a worldwide flood. Jesus taught that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. And Jesus taught also that Noah, that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. All of these things, which so many people have a, tr a problem believing, were taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a faithful witness. Why? Because he witnessed every single one of those events. He witnessed the creation. He witnessed the flood of Noah. He witnessed the destruction of Sodom. He witnessed the, uh, the trouble that Jonah got into. And he is the one who knows the end of the question and the end of the matter. And then he says, I am the beginning of the creation of God. Luego él dice, yo soy el principio de la creación de Dios. Can I just tell you tonight that when you talk about Jesus, when you mention the name of Jesus, when you tell somebody about Jesus, you're not talking about a character in a novel. You're not talking about a character in a movie. You're not talking about something in a coloring sheet on a Sunday school table. You are talking about the eternal Son of the living God. You are talking about the second person of the Godhead in bodily form. And you are talking about the person with all power, all authority, and all might in all of the world. Say amen, somebody. This is the Jesus that we preach. Este es el Cristo que predicamos. Now we know who's writing this letter. Ahora entendemos quién es el que está escribiendo esta carta. Now I mentioned that to you because a lot of people have an image of Jesus in their mind that looks like a painting on your grandmother's wall or that looks like something you saw in a movie. But when John saw Jesus just prior to writing these letters, he said his eyes were like a burning fire. His hair was white like snow. His feet were like burnished bronze. They were glowing because of the glory of God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when John saw him, he fell on his face as a dead man because he was in the presence of the living God, the risen Christ. Friends, this is the Jesus that's coming back. Say amen, somebody. Este es el Cristo que va a regresar. Un Cristo de poder y autoridad. And the Bible says that every knee will bow to him. Toda rodilla se doblará a él. Y toda lengua confesará que él es Señor. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If Jesus is Lord of your life, say amen. Si Cristo es Señor de tu vida, di amen. All right, are you ready for the report card? Oh, bien, ahora viene el reporte. Here's the report card to the Philadelphia church. He says, I know your deeds. This is verse 8. We're back in verse 8. Ahora, de nuevo al verso 8. Aquí está el reporte. I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. First of all, he says to both churches, I know your deeds. I want you to say this with me. God knows my deeds. Diga, Dios conoce mis obras. You realize that tonight? God knows our deeds. I told you he was a faithful witness. 
He was there at the creation. He was there at the destruction of Sodom. He was there when Jonah got into trouble. And he's there every day of our life. He knows our deeds. Él conoce nuestras obras. And he says, I have put before you an open door that no one can shut. Dice, te he puesto una puerta abierta que nadie puede cerrar. In other words, he's saying to the Philadelphia church, le dice a la iglesia de Filadelfia, te he dado poder para tener éxito en todo tiempo y en cada época. He's saying to the Philadelphia church, I've given you an open door to be the church. I've given you the ingredients that you need to be successful and powerful in every season and in every aspect of life. Listen, church, you and I have a blessing from God. And that blessing is that the church can triumph in every setting. La iglesia puede triunfar en cualquier época. Prosperity or, or lack. Health or sickness. Whether we are persecuted or whether we are promoted. We are blessed by the Almighty God to succeed and in, in the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. O cual sea la época en la cual vivemos, usted y yo podemos tener éxito en la predicación de la palabra de Dios. Listen, what you and I are witnessing today is the church preaching all over the world. Hoy la iglesia está predicando por todas partes del mundo. And you and I are here in this parking lot and online. Usted y yo estamos aquí en este estacionamiento y sobre el internet. ¿Por qué? Porque somos la iglesia que no puede ser detenida. We are the church that cannot be stopped. And the church of Jesus Christ will never be stopped. La iglesia del Señor Jesucristo jamás puede ser detenida. Listen. This church will triumph in every season. Esta iglesia triunfará en cualquier época. I'm not talking just about Kingsway Church, but I'm talking about the Philadelphia Church. The church that Jesus is talking about here. Now, what were the traits of this church? He said to this church, you have little power. Le dice a esta iglesia, no tienes mucho poder. In other words, you don't have a lot of money. You don't have a lot of influence. No tienes todo el dinero, ni toda la influencia. Pero, aunque no lo has tenido, but even though you don't have all the resources you'd like, or all of the, all of the bells and whistles, whistles that you'd like, you have kept my word. Has guardado mi palabra. And you have not denied my name. Y no has negado mi nombre. And then he says one more thing, and he says in verse 10, you have kept the word of my perseverance. Luego en el verso 10 le dice, has guardado la palabra de mi perseverancia. Jesus says to this church, you've been true to me. Jesús le dice a esta iglesia, has sido fiel, me has sido fiel a mí. Has guardado mi palabra. You've kept my word. Listen. What God is looking for today and what separates the two churches today is whether or not they proclaim 
and live the word of God. Lo que hoy separa a la iglesia de Laodicea y la iglesia de Filadelfia es si obedecen y predican la palabra de Dios. Now there are a lot of churches and a lot of Christians who don't believe the word of God and who don't preach the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hay muchos iglesias y cristianos que no predican a Cristo y no creen la palabra de Dios. And you'll hear people say things like, well, I know the Bible says that, but. Algunos dicen, yo sé que la palabra de Dios dice eso, pero. And then they put their opinion above the word of God. Luego ponen su opinión encima de la palabra de Dios. Listen, God takes personal affront, affront to that. Dios es insultado personalmente cuando usted o yo ponemos cualquier palabra sobre la de él. We began this year with the Lord telling us, I will make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Este año el Señor comenzó diciéndonos, yo los haré saber que no solo de pan vivirá el hombre, sino de toda palabra que procede de la boca de Dios. Has God made you know that he will keep his word? ¿Cuántos saben ahora que Dios guarda su palabra? Listen, God is serious about his word. And I'm serious about God's word. Dios está en serio de su palabra y yo la tomo en serio. I believe God over any other voice. Yo le creeré a Dios encima de cualquier otra palabra. Because his word will not pass away. Porque su palabra no pasará. He says to this church, You have not abandoned my word. No has abandonado mi palabra. You keep preaching the word. You keep teaching the gospel. Sigues predicando mi palabra y sigues obedeciendo mi palabra. Now the, the Philadelphia church has been called the missionary church or the living church. La iglesia de Filadelfia se le ha llamado la iglesia misionera o la iglesia viva. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the last days. It is a church that is alive. Es una iglesia del último día que es una iglesia viva. Una iglesia que tiene avivamiento en ella. A church that has life in it. And where does that life come from? It comes from the presence of God. Esta vida viene de la presencia de Dios en ella. And it is so important that you and I decide tonight, I'm going to be a part of the church that's alive. Usted tiene que decidir, yo voy a ser parte de la iglesia viva. Now you remember I said that there are these two churches and they live in every church. You might be parked next to somebody that's spiritually dead. Pray that they'll be alive. And you might sit in the pew next time you come into church just next to someone who's spiritually dead. And you need to pray that they be made alive. There is a, 
a need in our world, in the church, for revival. For a revival of the spirit. Not for customs and traditions, but for the life-giving presence of God. And when you and I live in the presence of God, the presence of God changes our life. La presencia de Dios es lo que hace la diferencia y lo que cambia nuestra vida. It's the presence of God that will bring a, a that will change your life. Es la presencia de Dios que hace la diferencia en tu vida. The presence of God makes the difference. It's the only thing that can make the difference. Are you part of this church? Es usted parte de esta iglesia? He says to them, you've kept my word, and you have not denied my name. Therefore, I will reveal those who are part of the synagogue of Satan. He's saying, I'm going to separate you from the rest in the eyes of the world. I'm going to let the world know who my true church is. Listen, friends, I told you a few weeks ago that what we're seeing today is one of the signs that we're nearing the end of the church age. And these signs are to separate or to signal this is the body of Christ. And if you see in yourself more of the world and its response than the word of God, you need to get alive, seek the presence of God, and find a life-giving relationship with Jesus. Now the next church, ahora la otra iglesia. He says to them, I know your deeds. Say that again, God knows my deeds. Dígalo de nuevo, Dios conoce mis obras. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. Yo conozco tus obras que no estás ni frío ni caliente. So because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Si no porque estás tibio, te echaré de mi boca. You realize that God doesn't well, he doesn't have any taste for lukewarmness. Dios no tiene sabor ni deseo para aquello que está tibio. I don't know about you, but I don't like lukewarm soup. A mí no me gusta el caldo tibio. I like it hot. Me gusta que esté caliente el caldo. God says to this church, you're lukewarm. You're not hot or cold. You're not in or out. You're not, you're not serving me or not serving me. No, no estás ni bien ni mal. No estás ni frío ni caliente. No estás sirviéndome ni no sirviéndome. You're straddling the fence. Estás en la cerca. And these are the people that have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. I, esas son las personas que tienen un pie en la iglesia y un pie en el mundo. And listen, there was a time in America where you could live like that and it didn't make any difference. But this is not the time. 
And it is now time to decide what side are you going to be. Who is on the Lord's side? Eso de, de uh, ya se acabó. Usted tiene que decidir si, uh, si va a servir a Dios o no. The, the closing chapter of the book of Revelation says, Let him who is righteous remain righteous, and let him who is wicked remain wicked. Listen, there's coming upon the world. Hear me well. Escúcheme bien. Viene sobre el mundo. Un resfriamiento espiritual. A spiritual hardening of the heart. Jesus said in the last days, the love of many would grow cold. Jesús dijo que en, el, en los últimos días, el amor de muchos se resfriará. How do you avoid that happening to you? ¿Cómo usted puede evitar eso? You get red hot for Jesus right now and don't let up. Usted comience a servir a Dios con todo su corazón ahora y no se detenga. Are you hearing me? Me oye esta noche. Some people say this, when things get real bad, I'll seek the Lord. Algunos dicen cuando se ponga bien crítico el asunto, entonces sí voy a servir a Dios. No, you won't. Because the hardening of hearts is coming upon the world. It's time to serve the Lord now. That's why the Bible says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Por eso dice la Escritura, si hoy escuchares su voz, no endurezcas tu corazón. And listen, what God says, I wish you were cold or hot. El Señor dice, yo quisiera que estuvieras Frío o caliente, why? Well, if you're hot, he knows who you're with. And if you're cold, he can rescue you. Si usted está frío, él lo puede rescatar. Si usted está caliente, ya está con él. But if you're in neither place, you can't serve both God and the world. No puede servir tanto a Dios como al mundo. He says to them, you have a reputation. Dice a esta iglesia, tienes una reputación, un nombre. You say about yourself, y dices de ti mismo, soy rico, tengo muchos bienes, no me falta nada. He says, uh, this church says, I'm rich, I have many goods, I like nothing. And listen, what God is pointing out here, Jesus is pointing out that this Laodicean church thinks it's one thing, but it's actually another. They say we're rich. He says you're poor. They say we have need of nothing. He says you have need of everything. They say we're alive. He says you're dead. He's calling them out before it's too late. Los está llamando a cuentas antes que sea muy tarde. Ellos dicen, soy rico. Él dice, no, eres pobre. Ellos dicen, lo tengo todo. Él dice, no, no tienes nada. He says, therefore, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire. That you might 
that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you can see. Dice el Señor, te aconsejo que compres de mí oro refinado por el fuego y que a la vez unjas tus ojos para poder ver. Now I want you to understand this. God is pointing out that the church, part of the church in the last days will think that it's alive and will not be alive at all. But he's giving them an option. He's giving them a choice. He says, come to me. I'll give you righteousness. I'll give you vision and revelation. Come to me. That's always the invitation of God. He says, come to me. And then he, he says that often quoted invitation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Ahora nos da esa promesa. He aquí estoy a la puerta y llamo. Now here's the question I have for you tonight. Why is Jesus knocking on the door of his church? When you go home tonight, are you going to knock on your door? The only reason Jesus is knocking on the door of his church is because the church, the Laodicean church, has shut him out. And tonight, Jesus is calling to every Laodicean. There are Laodiceans and Philadelphians in every church, in every denomination, and in every continent of the world. And he's calling to the Laodicean tonight. He's saying, I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. Open the door. Let me in. I want relationship with you. Many people have relationship with the church, but they don't have relationship with Jesus. And relationship with Jesus is what matters. He says, open the door, I'll come in. I will dine with you and you with me. Jesus is standing at the door of a church that's dead to give her an opportunity to come alive. And if you ask me, Pastor, what is all of this about? What is this coronavirus pandemic about? What is the COVID-19 situation all about in our world? What is this economic crisis about? I don't have all of the answers, but I believe one of the reasons or one of the things it's about is that God is calling out to his church. And he's telling the Philadelphia church, keep going, keep preaching, keep praying, keep believing, keep standing in the gap, keep making sure that your city is covered in the blood. He's calling out to you and he's encouraging you, keep running. The pandemic can't stop you. Death and disease can't stop you. You are the church of the Lord, Jesus Christ. And to the Laodicean church, he's saying it's time to wake up. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to get right with God. It's time to open your heart to God and give him full access to your heart. And if you'll do so today, do so before it's too late. He says, I'll come in and I'll dine with you. And you will with me. 
tonight, this letter is written to you. Esta noche esta carta es escrita a ti. If you're part of the Philadelphia church, I want to encourage you. Keep the faith. Stand on the promises of God. Hold on to the word. You will not live by bread alone. You will not live by face masks and gloves alone. You will not live by vaccines and therapeutics alone. You will not live by an economic stimulus check alone. You will live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Almighty God. He is our source. He is our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're part of the Laodicean church, I call you home tonight in Jesus' name. I call you to Jesus. I call you to come in repentance before him and say, Lord, I have, I have been dead. I have been depending on my traditions. I've been depending on my routines. I've been depending on what I know. And I yield myself to you tonight. And I ask you to give me life in the spirit. And if you will do that, friend, he will not turn you away. He'll receive you as his own. And he'll restore you. There's a backslidden church in the world today. And Jesus is calling her home. And my prayer for you is that you'll come. My prayer is that every backslidden pastor will come. My prayer is that every backslidden deacon and every backslidden elder and every backslidden church member will come to Jesus and that everyone who is far from God, though they're sitting in the pew, will say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Set my heart on fire. I want to seek you and know you and serve you. Until you come. Would you bow your head with me please. Father in Jesus name. We humble ourselves tonight. And first of all we say thank you. Thank you for sending. The word. You sent it 2,000 years ago. For this day and this hour. You send it to this generation. We thank you for the report card. Our own heart tonight senses the check of the Spirit. And we say to you, thank you for loving us so much that you give us a wake-up call. That you give us an opportunity to come so that we can be part of the outpouring of the latter-day rain that is to come upon the church. Let it not be that when the church experiences revival, that we be asleep or that we be dead spiritually, but let us be ready, awake, and alive. We receive the word with humility in our hearts. I pray tonight for every Laodicean, every backslider, Every person who's gone cold in their faith. Revive them, O oh God, in the midst of these years. And I pray, O oh God, for the Philadelphia church. Strengthen her faith. Encourage her witness. Fill her with fire. 
set her apart from the world. Deliver her from the hour of trouble that she finds herself in today. And do so, O God, that the name of Jesus may be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. We ask this in Jesus' name and for the glory of God.